Everybody, welcome back to Letterman Road. This is the position preview for the Ohio State Buckeyes brought to you by Byers Auto. A little bit different now that we don't have to or get to project a full season for these guys with the Big Ten going to a conference-only season in 2020. We're still going to talk about the linebackers, and they're still going to make their best effort uh, to play a season. So that means another year of the captain, tough world, and there's no conversation that we can talk about with the linebackers that doesn't start there. If there's one position group on the Buckeyes roster that's not like affected the most, I guess, by the, the delay, the lack of practice, the lack of opportunities to get on the field, it's got to be the linebackers. It is a veteran group. It's not only a group that has returning guys like Tough Borland and Pete Warner and Baron Browning, but veteran guys who are inexperienced like Dallas Gant and Taraja Mitchell and uh, Kayvon Pope, a handful of young guys coming up. It is a really deep group, a really talented group, but it's a group that loses seven dudes after this year. So like things get a little wild in the next uh, cycle and a half. Well, you didn't even mention Justin Hilliard in on day one. Right, I mean. It's another, he's a 60-year senior, got that approved. Kind of surprising in some ways that he's still around. But day one, when Ohio State was dealing with a little bit of injury uncertainty in spring camp, that one week in March, Justin Hilliard was out there as a starter. Uh, that'd be a, I don't think that's likely for him if they got a full strength unit, Spencer, but um, as he's a, that's a reminder of the remarkable depth this unit has. Yeah, I'd really like Justin Hilliard's prospects for this year because if you look at the schedule now that it's all Big Ten, we know exactly who they're going to play. Well, not really, but we know who's on the schedule. You know, you got Iowa, you've got uh, potential matchup against Wisconsin. You've got like the heavy run teams in the Big Ten are on this schedule, and that's when Justin Hilliard really shined last year. So I think he could play a big role in this in this defense, regardless of you know the, the overall depth of this team. I think Justin Hilliard could be a big part of the linebacker unit, even though all the other guys are the ones who get all the attention. We got to remember he was a former five-star prospect. Like this guy can play, and I think he kind of gets forgotten forgotten sometimes in these conversations but you got to bring him up like you said okay tough Borland. let's just dive into tough right because it is the, the world of tough. it is the toughest conversation on the linebacker I, I don't, but i don't know if it's not that tough for ohio state or anybody that's across the street over there in the woody hayes they are not backing down on their love for him and not listening to any outside criticism that exists and we we see that every single week for him he is about to be a three-time captain they should probably just do away with the vote and, and make that official right now. Uh, you know, it, so much of this comes back to the rush from the Achilles two years ago yeah. and not looking physically himself. You're not going to find a better tackler. You're not going to find a better teammate. You're not going to find someone who has better knowledge of what Al Washington wants to do and can take it to the field. Does that mean that I think that he is a first, second, third, fourth-round NFL draft pick? No, I don't. But if you're building a college linebacker, to play in the middle, I don't know what more you could ask for. Right, and the, the what Tough Borland uh, brings Ohio State is not necessarily going to be evident on every single play that he's on the field for because what he brings is more important right now than what he brings necessarily in October or November. But he is a guy that allows you to do multiple things. And, and uh, you know, we get the comments, we read the comments, believe it or not, and we'll not, not do Tough Borland. No, like, it's not our necessarily opinion that He's one of the best linebackers on the team. It's the guys across the street that believe he is. And again, that have voted him a captain three, three times now. A guy that has been a leader who, who came back from an injury that should have ruined his entire sophomore season and, and, and he didn't miss at any time, really. Um, I just think that there's a, a matter of earned respect for a guy that has done things the right way and, and continues to be loved by his teammates. And maybe he's not as athletic as Baron Browning, but not a lot of guys are. 
but that's not all what linebacker's about. He's productive on the field, and we also have to remember, he's captain off the field. We're standing right in the spot where he organized a protest for, you know, Black Lives Matter, for everything like that. He's the most respected, I would say he's probably the most respected guy on the roster, and that goes a long way, especially at a position like middle linebacker. There's just, you demand respect when you play that position. He's demanded it for three straight years now. Uh, I think he is going to demand it this season from some Ohio State fans. And I think part of this conversation that we always have, hey, look, we when we drafted spring game rosters for the you know a make believe one when it was canceled in April, neither one of us picked Tough Borland because if you're going to defend the pass, he's probably not the guy that you want right. out there. But you, you also don't have when you get into the season this this vacuum where Raquan McMillan wasn't on the roster, Taraja Mitchell was hurt. If you line them up, you would pick that guy athletically more times. Uh, every time probably over a tough moment, but guess what? That situation didn't exist. Baron Browning has made no secret uh, of his struggles to get in the playbook or want, and playing inside uh, the issues that he's had there, and he's better, a better fit on the outside and as a pass rusher. So where else do you turn? Tough Borland is out there for a reason. Yeah, uh, and, and again, it's not that he's out there every play. The Buckeyes have an opportunity with this depth and the talent at linebacker to be multiple. They, they can have series where it's going to be Justin Hilliard on the inside or, or Taraja Mitchell or Kayvon Pope or, or Dallas Gantt. There are so many guys, and we haven't, even, ta- and we ha- right. we haven't even talked about the young guys like uh, Cody Simon and Court Williams and these other guys coming through, Mitchell Melton. There, this is a, a talented group that allows for a lot of things to happen, and that's when someone like Tough Borland is more valuable because he's just sort of, you know what you're going to get. You put him in there in those possessions, and I think, as uh, Spencer alluded to, we know now that this is a Big Ten-only schedule. That makes Tough Borland more valuable, in my opinion, because exactly. if you look around the league, there's not a lot of those K.J. Hamlers out there in the league right now that are guys that are really going to be matchup problems inside that are going to put you in a slot and then try to get a linebacker on you. Um, you know, Tough is not a guy that's going to be lining up and covering Pat Fryermuth like Pete Warner is. We know that. But we also know now that there's not a lot of – people on the roster that they're going to or on the schedule that they're going to be playing that is not going to play to tough strength and I think that's a really good thing for the Buckeyes and for tough but there's way more on the linebacker group than just tough Borland and I I don't know why we keep talking about tough Borland they all they all complement each other and they all have different things they can do and uh, nobody likes to point out what the shortcomings are of all the other linebackers they just say well tough Borland yeah and so it's it is what it is almost at this point. You're kind of resigned to the fact that it's going to happen. And Well, Pete Werner gets the same sort of... And that, the, okay, the Pete Warner stuff, I don't know where these critics are of Pete Warner. They don't tend to show up as frequently when I'm looking because Pete Warner last year was, I would say, the most valuable overlooked piece of that defense. It he, certainly he was the just, best linebacker on the team it, without question. It would not... What happened last year with the rise of that defense could not have happened without Pete Warner. We spent... All last year at this time, we were talking about Brendan White and the bullet and the versatility. Well, guess what? Pete Warner obliterated that conversation because he could play safety, he could play outside linebacker, he could play. You talked about covering Firemuth and, and break, you know, breaking up passes against tight ends. Pete Warner did all of that, and Al Washington made a joke about that when I asked him in March before this all shut down. He played almost every position on defense except defensive tackle. Yeah, like he could do everything Ohio State can do. And again, if you're just trying to project where these guys are at the NFL, there are some people across the street that believe that he'll be in the top two rounds of the NFL draft. It I doesn't concur. matter. It, it, 
you can't, you're not just going to build a defense that has 11 first round draft picks. That's impossible. You have to have guys that fit what you're trying to do, that can play really top notch college football in Ohio State has six of them at linebacker, but Tough Borland and Pete Warner consistently beat them out for roles. And there is a reason for that. They are damn good football players. Right. And again, this isn't our decision. We're not. Uh, selecting starters. If I was selecting a starter, Pete Warner would not ever be on the defense. Right. Uh, Pete Warner uh, has proven time and time again that he is the most versatile player on the defense, I think. Uh, and, and again, we were talking as Brandon White, uh, Brandon White won the Rose Bowl MVP two years ago. The whole thought process behind the bullet was that he was going to be the guy who then just slid into that role. And now he's playing at Rutgers. So you have to ask yourself exactly what the, if you're one of those people out there and you think that Pete Werner is not a good football player I ask you stop watching football that's not a question uh, I'm asking you it's a request it's a request it, I'm behesting I just keep going back to the play like you said where Pat Fryermuth ran a quick out in the in the middle of the open field I think it was even like a, a trips like there was no there are few linebackers who are going to make that play and Pete Werner broke up the pass. It was the first possession of the game. Ohio State gets the ball, goes down, and scores a touchdown. That set the tone, and it all started with the Pete Werner pass breakup on a top-five tight end in the country. You're not finding that in a lot of linebackers, and I think that play just exemplifies what Pete Werner means to the defense. All right, where does Taraja fit in? I mean, Taraja, much like Baron Browning, has to be healthy, and that's something he struggled with, and you just, you know he's a thumper. He's a hitter. He's, he's contributed on special teams. You've seen him make big plays in that respect, and he's a guy that has a lot of respect in the locker room, and I think one of the things, and, and this is not exclusive to Taraja Mitchell. This is to Kayvon Pope. This is to Dallas Gant, that entire group from the 2018 recruiting class. That group is so well-respected and so well-liked because they've sat behind Tuff Borland and Pete Werner for the last three years, and none of them have left. None of them have moved on and decided to go play somewhere else where they could have got on the field easier. They all have options. They all could do that. But they're all well-respected. They all grind. They all work hard. And the, the difference between, uh, I guess if we're creating a spot for Taraja Mitchell, it's is he the guy that can be the stopgap between Baron Browning and Tuff Borland where he can sort of fit the mold of, of, a, of a hybrid of those two guys. Somebody who's a little more athletic, but still is a really good run stopper, a really good uh, a hitter in, in, the, in filling gaps and filling holes and, and playing the, the, the defense and leading the defense. So it's hard to see where he fits in, but you, the reality is when you have seven different linebackers that should be playing, you just have to find a way to rotate. Maybe we'll see Al Washington do a little bit more of what Larry Johnson's done in the last few years because at this point, those kids have to play. I think it's almost like what Brian Hartline does with the wide receivers. You play six of them. There are a couple of them that you always have on the field because they're consistent. But other than that, you're just rotating guys and, and seeing playing to strengths based on what you see from the offense. And, you know, we're not X's and O's guys like crazy. But there's a spot for every single one of these linebackers to make an impact in different situations. Wow. Justin Hilliards is in the run game. Maybe – Kavon Popes is in the pass game. He had two interceptions last year in back-to-back -back games. Justin Hilliard had the biggest interception of the year yeah. against Penn State. I so, mean, you know, Tough Borland might be better suited against the Iowas of the world. But, you know, that that's just what it is. And these linebackers all have different things they can do that help this defense become a top-five defense in the country. I think what's fascinating, just, I mean, while we're talking about the in-conference only, like, we're talking nine or ten games now. Those kids who would, could play four games and, and redshirt, 
Are they going to get those moments? Are we going to get to see Cody Simon and, and Court Williams and Mitchell Melton at all this year? Is that sort of four-game uh, redshirt year almost eliminated for people? I mean, I mean, I know you still have Rutgers and those, those teams on the schedule, <laughs> but uh, Rutgers is going to be a better team under Greg Schiano. They've got, I think, 36 different transfers coming into their Ohio program. Has Illinois on the schedule. That that's a game that you should see. Well, norm, normally, Burham, I, you raise a good point. And normally, this is where we'd make a prediction about stats, but we can't do that anymore because we don't know the number of games. One prediction I would make is that the NCAA is going to have to make allowances for rosters. For the long term, that means yeah. that the 85 scholarship limit that's probably going to be gone uh, because you're about to have two classes coming in at the same time. And the other thing is that I bet that they give everybody five years to play five seasons. Yeah. And the four-game rule is great when you have 12 to 15 games, and it's been a huge boon. But there's also limitations to it and, and, and makes it harder for coaches, makes it harder for players. And I bet, especially if you're going to a season like this, the NCAA is going to make allowances so that everybody can play without losing one of their five years. Just you, give it to them. Yeah, because you sure hope players so. are still going to leave after three. It doesn't yeah. matter. That's my prediction. I mean, I, I think that that has to happen. And the NCAA is obviously in a in a unique situation that we've never seen before. That means they're going to have to do unique things. And um, you know, we could veer off on that topic all we want, but the 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 impact that it has on the roster, especially at linebacker, because again, you have these three linebackers in Pope, Mitchell, and uh, Dallas Gantt, who I think just we're just waiting for them to get their moment. And now this year, when they would have probably played half of the games you know, five, six games where they would have played a significant time, now maybe you're not looking at that. And so now you wonder, okay, now now do these guys leave? Do they get frustrated and go? Um, and there's a lot of things that are going to be up there, and I, I don't envy Al Washington for what he has to do with juggling that roster this year. But like I said, regardless, you know, my final point, you still have Maryland, you still have Rutgers, you still have Illinois. You might pick up like a Northwestern if they Boy, have a 10-game This guy did not game. watch the Illinois play football last year. <laughs> I'm that is an improved like, football team in Champagna. So all of They're these, much better than Rutgers, who you're saying is well, going to come in and be a challenge. Rutgers has 66 Ooh. transfers on Ooh, their roster. All right, shut this down. Chop it up. <laughs> they have 310 new players on their team, including 645 from other Big Ten rosters. That's a lot of That's a lot of math. A lot of math, uh, folks. I'm not sure it all adds up, but who cares? This has been the linebacker positional preview. It's brought to you by Byers Auto here at Letterman Row where we're not going to slow down. We don't know what the season's really going to look like, but we're going to cover Ohio State athletics no matter what. That's Spencer Holbrook. That's Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. We'll see you next time on Letterman Row.